Let's read a, a brief passage of scripture together. Thanksgiving for who he is. The trumpets and trumpets and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. The singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, his love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to override all of the crud that we brought in and, and uh, the week that we've been through and the world that we live in. I pray that you would be revealed today, that Jesus would be glorified and beautified in our hearts and not just for a little while, but for a long while. In Jesus' name, amen. We should be thankful to God for who he is. Um, because who he is never changes. We live, in a, we live in a world where change is the, the constant around, you know, the, the party that's in power this year is not in power next year. The team that wins this year doesn't win next year. Take that, all you Alabama fans. Uh, the <laughs> the, uh, the one who's strong... One day is weak the next day and strong again the next day. The one who's young becomes old. And boy, that doesn't take very long Amen. for that to happen. Yeah, no, James is smiling at me like, yeah, it takes a long time. No, it doesn't, James. It's quick. <laughs> it's really quick. So, but in all of the change that we're involved in, there's one constant. Amen. Only one. And that's God. And that's who he is. And so what we thank him for today, we can still thank him for tomorrow. And what we thank him for when things are going well, we can still thank him for when things are not going well from our perspective. And what, we're, what we can thank him for when we're happy, we can thank him for when we're sad because he hasn't changed. He's still the same in the, in the nature of who he is. Is still the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So for this reason, uh, Paul can say in 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And such thanksgiving prompts his glory to appear. I, I didn't really notice before, but uh, that verse started off with uh, the trumpeters, and that they thanked God, and they were joined by the trumpets, and I thought, how appropriate. I mean, just think of it. Never mind. Okay, it was just something that amused me for a moment. Uh, because trumpeters without trumpets, okay. Uh, but when they begin to thank God for who he is, he is good. His, his mercy endures forever. The glory of the Lord appeared. The heavy of God, the kabod, the shekinah came down in such a, such a heavy way that that it, it filled the temple. They couldn't even do their work. And you know what? Some people were at work. Some people were at church. Some, some of those people had a good week. Some of those people had a bad week. Some, some of those people were healthy. Some of those people were sick. And the glory of the Lord fell on them all as they began to give thanks to him for who he is. So, who is he? <laughs> yeah, I, as, I was, as I was 
preparing for this week, giving thanks to God for who he is, I began to wonder at some point in time, have I bitten off more than I can chew here? Because that's a pretty big subject. Who is he? So I decided, okay, I'll look up the phrase in the Bible, the Lord is. And so I looked up this phrase, the Lord is, and it appears over 200 times in the Bible, and it's a whole lot easier to look it up now in the day of computers than it was back in the days of Twyla Paris when she was writing that song. Uh, but it appears over 200 times in the Bible, and some of the times it relates to what he is doing. The Lord is saving. The Lord is healing. Uh, and some of the times it was just sort of a grammatical quirk the way that things fell in the sentence. But most of the time it was referring to who he is and, and the qualities of who God is. And there isn't obviously time in one session to cover all the things he is, even sparingly. So I'm not pretending that this is, that this is going to be uh, exhaustive. But there are, and, and also let me, let, me just, let me say this before I get into this. There are some of his attributes that inspire fear. His power, his wrath, his anger. I say his power. It depends on which side of it you're on. Yeah. Because his rod and his staff comfort us. Um, his judgment. And, uh, and actually his goodness. I mean, the fact that he's good. I... Uh, those of you who've been here for quite a while have heard me share this before, but a lot of you haven't. Uh, I'll never forget a story that Bruce told 30 years or so ago about his dad buying a reel-to-reel a -reel tape recorder and going, don't touch it. And uh, Bruce wasn't always as, as righteous and obedient <laughs> as he is now. And uh, he touched it. And he actually uh, tried to record uh, an episode of American Bandstand with it. Now, you know, a lot of you have no idea what American Bandstand is. But let me tell you how desperate people used to be to get music into their lives. They would, they would try to record off of, well, never mind. Bruce would try to record uh, off of the, the television, which had, didn't even have a stereo speaker. It had a little bitty speaker coming out and tried to record it. And so he was recording American Man Stand and the tape broke. Yeah. And his dad was a Detroit policeman. He could, he could legally beat people. And, <laughs> and so Bruce <laughs> did what any good son would do at that time. He, he took the tape recorder and he put it in the back of the closet up real high and tried to hide it so that it would never be seen. Now, I, I tell that story, the reason it impacted me so much is because you know what he felt like when he was around his dad. Uh, in those days, people ate together. Families ate together almost every day. And his dad would attend those meals. And Bruce would be there. And it wasn't just, this man could kill me. It was, I have wronged this person you know how it is when you've wronged somebody and you see them at, at Kroger and they go down the they go down the uh, the soup aisle well you're you're headed over to frozen foods or wherever you can to get away from them. you don't want to make eye contact with them because you've wronged them I mean am I the only person who understands that feeling 
And I think the reason it made such an impact on me is I had, I had been reading C.S. Lewis, and he had just made the comment about God is good, and he, and he said, imagine what it would be like to look into the face of ultimate goodness, the one you have absolutely wronged, the one you have absolutely sinned against, the one who has absolute power. So there are a lot of things about God that can inspire fear, but we're not going to go there today for a couple of reasons. One, I think over the last century and a half, we've kind of, we've kind of driven that point home in, uh, in, in the church in North America. And then also because uh, while the elements are not to be ignored, today we're looking at Thanksgiving. And I want to I cover five things that we give thanks for. I mean, he's great. He's exalted. He's the everlasting God. He's the king. He's our peace. He's our strength. He, he, uh, he's our healer, our provider. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. Boy, am I glad that, that he's slow to anger. And he's coming again. But today I want to focus on five attributes, even though there are scores of others that we could touch on. And the first one is this. The Lord is trustworthy. We can trust him. Psalm 145, 13 says, The Lord is trustworthy in all His promises and faithful in all that He does. 2 Corinthians, Paul says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Have you ever had a promise broken to you? Have you ever voted for anyone? You ever were you raised by human parents? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever broken a promise to somebody? Yeah. Of course you have. This is it's what we live in. It's what, what we experience. And so because it is, it's sometimes hard to imagine. There, he, he never breaks a promise. Everything he says can be trusted. Every, everything that he says, you can, you can count on completely. And it's, that's where it all starts. If we can't trust him to be faithful, then we're simply, we're simply cast adrift in a, in a chartless sea. Life has no moorings. We have to understand also that we cannot judge his promises from our frame of reference necessarily. Now, that's an iceberg. Most of you knew that. But I had some quizzical looks in the service, in the first service, and it's because we only see a little bit. We, we only see a tiny bit of what's going on. There are, uh, you know, there are those that, that will teach that, you know, we ought to just see it happen immediately all of the time, and we tend to think that all of the time, but in our frame of reference in terms of wisdom and in terms of time and in terms of how pieces fit together, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. Peter says over in, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I did that in the first service too. Next time I need to put all my scripture verses in here because I know that a lot of you don't read the Bible during the week, and this is the only time you get a chance to actually read any scripture, and so that's why I put all those verses up there, but if I, if, I, if I just reference some verses and don't put them up there, will you promise to read the Bible? You will? 
Okay, good. Well, then, Second Peter. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. But he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Joshua stood before the children of Israel at uh, the end of his life, and he said, not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel has failed. Every one has been fulfilled, because that's the kind of God that he is. He promised Abraham many children. When he promised Abraham many children, how many children did Abraham have? That's right. Nada. And next year he started having children, right? No. Well, the next year he started having children, right? No. It took a while. And, and you say, well, he, he, did he really have all that many children? Oh, yeah, he did. He did. Of course, you know, the first one was Ishmael. That, um, that was he and Sarah's plan to, uh, to get a child, and they got one, just one that, one that was promised. And then Isaac came along. Of course, that was a child of promise. And then after Sarah died, he, he married another woman named Keturah. She gave him six sons, and they all became nations. And here we are now, and he's the best-known father on the planet, God promised him many children. Now, he didn't see thousands of children or much less millions and billions of children at the time, but is God faithful? God was faithful to him. God promised to make David's name great. And at the time that God promised to make David's name great, David had not yet committed adultery with Bathsheba. David had not yet murdered Uriah. David had not yet had his son rebel against him. And there'd be a tendency to look at, you know, God makes a promise in life and, and detours happen. Ever been on a detour? Detours tend to happen in life and we tend to go, well, you know, I know God made that promise, but he obviously didn't see this coming. Really? God, there's nothing catches God by surprise. Like I said, the only, the only thing that God never says is, oops. God saw that coming. But has God made David's name great? Of course he has. Because God's promise is faithful. Even if we're, even if we're unfaithful, and, and I know that that's, you know, I'm not saying it's okay to be unfaithful. Please understand that. But his faithfulness does not depend on our faithfulness. It depends on who he is. And for that, we can give thanks. He promised that he would make Abraham a father. He promised that he would make David's name great. He promised that he would give us a Savior, and he gave us a Savior. Everything that he's promised will happen. He's also promised that he's coming again. And so we can say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Not only is he trustworthy, but he is righteous. Psalm 11, verse 7 says, for the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. And then, let's try this again. Yeah, Psalm 92, 15, the Lord is upright. There is no wickedness in him. Isaiah 30, 18, the Lord is a God of justice. Now, let me just say that fortunately mercy triumphs over justice. Because we clamor for justice when we think that we've been wronged. And we clamor for mercy when we think that we have wronged someone. And oftentimes we clamor for justice when we have wronged someone and we're just too dumb to know it. 
because we think that we're in the right all the time. And so God is a, a God of, of mercy and compassion, especially to those who show mercy and compassion. But imagine what God, what life would be like if God were unjust or if he were arbitrary. And actually, you don't have to imagine it because that's what life under the world system is like. That's what life under the prince of this dark world is like. Often the undeserving are rewarded and the deserving are, are, are despised and left with nothing, often. Yeah. That's not always the case, but it sure happens. I mean, the, the right person doesn't always win the voice. The right team doesn't always win. The right, the right side doesn't always end up on top. Some claim that if you have faith, you'll be consistently rewarded in this life. But those people don't usually live in Egypt or Iran or Gaza. And they apparently haven't read all of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 Verses 39 and 40 says, talking about the heroes of faith, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You know, and some would go, well, here we are, so we're all made perfect now, aren't we? <laughs> no. I think he's talking about when Jesus comes back and when we see him as he is and become like him. God is just, and, and we can be sure that being righteous and, and doing the good will be rewarded, and for this we give thanks. It's always appropriate to give thanks for this. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is uh, a verse, it's one of my life verses. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Virtually any, any labor you do outside of the Lord that you do just for this world is ultimately in vain. Say, so, well, it put, puts food on my table today. Food's gone tomorrow. Yeah. Well, you know, I, it's put a pretty... Pretty nice car out there in my driveway. Yeah, well, what's it going to look like in 100 years? Dust. But everything that you do for this good God, everything that you do for this just God, for this righteous God who does what is right, is remembered, is rewarded, is eternal. And so you can give thanks for that. I mean, in a world of darkness, where oftentimes we aren't rewarded, the reward is sure because he's just. And God is close to the brokenhearted. Amen. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 9.9, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And you may, you know, you may think, well, I, I'm not brokenhearted right now. This isn't, you know somebody who is. 
And beyond that, unless you die soon and swiftly, you will be brokenhearted at some point in time because that's what life in a fallen world, that's what happens. And last week, Barbie... That was just so good. I kept running into people and going, you got to hear, you need, you, you got to watch that. You got to hear that. You need to hear what Barbie said this last week. It was great. Last week, Barbie taught us to, to, to uh, look for goodness, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, especially in times of trouble. My heart breaks uh, for the damage that is often done by the, the teaching that says we're always to be healed and always to be triumphant and leaves out one very important word ultimately ultimately oh yeah our, the triumph is assured the healing is assured because God is faithful we can trust him but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen when we want it or exactly at the time that we want it if you read in John chapter 9 Jesus healed a man who was born blind it was incredible. It was wonderful. He came to the man. He, uh, he put mud on his eyes. He told him to go and wash at the pool of Siloam. He went and washed and he could see. Bam! Instant miracle. Wasn't that incredible? How instant is it if you're an adult and you've been born blind? It's all a matter of your perspective. It's instant if you're reading John chapter 9 for the first time. But if you're the guy... You had a little bit of a wait before it came along. Uh, the, the woman with the issue of blood who reached out and touched the hem of his garment was instantly healed. After 12 years, she was instantly healed. Can you imagine? Some of you here have things that you've been praying for for years. Can you imagine that woman if she had, on, on that day with Jesus passing by, if she had kind of gone, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to God about this, I've prayed about it, I've prayed about it, and I've prayed about it, and I'm tired of praying about it. Nothing's ever going to happen. He didn't answer the last time. He didn't answer the time before that. He didn't answer the time before that. It's God's timing. And then powerful, wonderful things can happen, but Kirk Devaney uh, shared at the gate a few weeks ago and um, most of you know who Kurt is, and uh, he's a missionary that we've supported for a number of years. And in his early years of, of, uh, on the field, he was in Zambia, and he, uh, he got malaria, and he had something else. Do you remember what it was, Alan? He had two things. He, he just came that close to dying. Uh, and he thought, so, well, people don't die from malaria. Yes, they do. Uh, and... Uh, he came very, very close to dying. His whole family got sick, but he was the sickest of all. And he shared in the gate, he said, I got letters from pastors all over the United States. And he said, uh, all but one of them basically said the same thing. Brother, if you had faith, you wouldn't be going through this. You'd, you'd be healed. And he said, uh, the only one that I got that didn't say that, that just said, God really loves you, and, and we believe, I'm praying for you, believe in your ministry, uh, was the one that he got from me. Now, I'm not patting me on the back. I'm just going that that's, a, that's how prevalent oftentimes in our camp that teaching can be. And he said, that letter saved my life. 
said, that, that was the only one that enabled me to go, you know what? God hasn't forgotten about me. Of course God hasn't forgotten about him. God is close to the broken hearted. During those hard times, it's when he's, it's when he's the most near when we're going through hard stuff, he's close. He isn't just on board for the party. He isn't a God who bails. He isn't a God who goes, well, it was fun while it lasted, guy, but you're not doing so hot now. I think I'm going to go check out what's happening on the other side over here. No. He's there through everything. Through the toughest stuff that you can go through. He has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He he longs to reveal himself to you in those times. And in those times, Psalm 54, 4 says, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. He sustains us during that time. He really, I mean, you you don't have the resources to deal with what life can, can bring at you. But he does. And he'll sustain. You don't need sustaining. You don't feel like you need sustaining. You know, when the refrigerator's full and the bank account is full and everybody's happy and everybody's healthy and everybody's home for Christmas and we've all got too many presents to open. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good right now. It's when, it's when the wheels come off, he sustains. Because he's close. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. He doesn't leave. He doesn't go anywhere. God is good. We we say this a lot. But think about it for a moment. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 100, give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Jeremiah 33, 11, give thanks to the Lord Almighty for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. Of all of those the Lord is phrases that I found, the word that completed the thought more than any other in Scripture was good. He's good. And we we say it all the time, but not everyone knows this wonderful truth of how good God is. And we just just take it for granted. Back when... uh, when I was at the Bible school in Zimbabwe, I, I became friends with a man named Ashok Jalalabadi. And uh, <laughs> Ashok uh, had converted to Christianity from Hinduism. He, uh, he was, uh, his, his family were uh, Kshatriyas, I believe is the way you pronounce it. That's uh, uh, the, the caste that's right below the Brahmins. They were pretty, pretty up there people. And, uh, and I invited him to come to the, to the school to share with the students about Hinduism because there are quite a few Hindus in, uh, in the country and I, I thought it would be a good idea for them to know some things. And so he came and he shared and it was, it was, a, it was quite an eye-opening two days. Uh, and, you know, some of the things, of course, the Hindus have many gods and some are good and some are rascals and, uh, you know, and just doing all kinds of things. Uh, and some of the things that he shared, it was, it was delightful to watch the students because the students at the Bible school in Zimbabwe, they let you know how they feel about things. I mean, if they like something, yeah, they liked it. They'd get up and, you know, high-five each other, and you kind of go, I'm a teacher. 
You know, uh, if, if they didn't like something, they'd let you know that. If they didn't understand something, they'd let you know that. Uh, and, and you wouldn't have to wait and read your email to find out either. I mean, it's kind of like instant feedback there. And, uh, and Ashok, uh, you know, at one point, and there were two things really that made a huge impression on me about what he said. One of them was, I don't, I, he, was he was saying something about Hinduism, and the students just thought it was the most ridiculous thing they'd ever heard. I mean, they were laughing and stuff. And he said, listen, I understand why you're laughing. But you need to understand that when you're brought up in a situation where everybody around you believes this, and it's what you're taught, you're going to believe it too. And I thought, hmm, that doesn't just apply to Hindus. But then the other thing that really made a huge impression on me was his dad apparently, and I don't know if he did this all of his life, but he certainly did it for a pretty good while, gave 90% of his income to the holy man because he was afraid of what would happen if he didn't. Not because I love God, but out of fear. Because you see, he didn't know God is good. He is good. Islam uh, there's a lot of information and misinformation about Islam in our culture. It's followed by 1.6 billion people in the world. And Allah is considered to be merciful, and, but he's never referred to as good. And he loves those who are good, which I'm afraid isn't a very large number. According to the Bible... God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God, any who, who, who do good. Everyone is turned away. Everyone has become corrupt. No one is good. No, not one. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, uh, good master, what must I do to be saved? Jesus went, whoa. Yeah. Well, why are you calling me good? Yeah. There's only one who's good. Now, I, I think Jesus may have had a, a, a deeper reason for asking that because I don't think it was just a rhetorical question to say, why are you calling me good? I think he was going, do you really know, do you know who I am? Yeah. Because he was, in fact, speaking to the one who was good. Yeah. But there's only one who's good, and it ain't me. Once again, notice how I used uh, improper grammar to emphasize a point. And it ain't you either. And I know that, uh, that Allah and Jehovah can't be the same ones because when, uh, when, when, when the Muslims believe that when they stand before God, all your good's put on one side, all your bad's put on the other, and if, this, you know, if there's more good than there is bad, then you get to go into paradise. But with our God, if there's any bad, you can't stand before him because he's holy. And nothing impure can remain in his presence, and that's why we need a Savior and that's, that's why he gave us one, because, because he's good. But just as he's trustworthy and righteous and close to the brokenhearted, when we say he's good, it means he isn't evil and he isn't ambivalent. He's, he's actively good on our behalf. One of our favorite verses in Scripture, we know that in all things God works for the, the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. He's not indifferent, and, and, and he's not working 
not, and he's not mostly good. He's good all the time. <laughs> yes, and you know, I was saying, you know, last week Barbie was teaching a sign language, and I think this is I, yeah, yeah, I will, or I need to see God. Yeah, I don't know what, what's, what's sign language for good? Uh, where is Anita? This is good? Oh, oh good? That's good? Uh, that's thanks, isn't it? Thanks is without the hand. This is good? Okay. Uh, God? Good? All the time. <laughs> right? You got it. You understood it, right? <laughs> yeah. And so it's always appropriate to say thank you. And then finally, God is near and not just to the brokenhearted. Psalm 145, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, yes, but he's also near to the house of rejoicing and to the house of mourning and he's near to the lonely and he's near to the to to the weary and he's near to the young and he's near to the old he's he's near at the beginning and he's near at the end he's there all we have to do is call on him what what a what kind of god is this we have what can we say but thank you be thankful regardless of the situation that you're in He's near. We just call on him. A month ago, we did the funeral for uh, Brad's grandfather, Pappy. And about a month before that, he was baptized because he gave his heart to the Lord at 90. This isn't a God who kind of goes, well, you know, you screwed around long enough, guy. I, 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 I'm, I'm out of here. No, he is near to the very end. And I've, I've probably done more funerals for babies than I have for people 90 plus. And he's near at the beginning. He's near the, the whole way through. He's near with the prodigal. He's near with the lost. He's, he's near with the rebel. Did we, we didn't do that song in the second service, did we? Yeah. No, it's, it's not. It's... But uh, in, in the first service where he loved me through my rebel ways, boy, can I identify with that. Yeah. And, and I was saying in, in the first services, as Robert was singing, it, it just touched me so much because he started wiping tears away from his eyes. I think it was tears, maybe it's sweat. But, it, but he started wiping tears away from his eyes, and I'm going, yeah, you and me, buddy. You and me. I understand. <sighs> He's near. All we have to do is call on him. And you know how I know that? Because he's trustworthy. He's faithful. He's good. He's righteous. He's just. Would you stand with me? <laughs> 
So blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burdens, who daily hears our prayers, who gives us our salvation. Blessed be the Lord who reigns over the heavens, who reigns over the earth, who reigns over our hearts. Thou art awesome in thy sanctuary. Thou art awesome, O Lord my God. Blessed be the Lord, blessed be the Lord. Thou art awesome in thy sanctuary. Thou art awesome, O Lord my God. Blessed be the Lord, blessed be the Lord. It's always appropriate to be thankful. Those who are going to pray, the people come forward today. And if you're here today and you need prayer for something, just come. Just, just come on down. And let me especially encourage you. You know, if it's been 12 years and you've prayed about it before, just come. Just come. It's His timing. And we can trust Him to be perfect. Maybe this is the day that he gets the glory. We can trust him. You come, and if you don't know Christ, you know what? You say, well, it can't be that easy. Just uh, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I didn't make that up. I was just reading the Bible. It is. Call on his name. He'll redeem you. Eternal life. Who can turn that down? Let's worship. Oh
I will stay though the world around me folds because if you're here when the Lord returns that's exactly what's going to happen though the mountains shake and fall into the heart of the sea the Lord is an ever present help a refuge in time of trouble raise your hand the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his Son into the world to reveal who he is may that revelation of God be clear in your spirit and in your heart may you be of good cheer for he has overcome the world and may the hope and truth that flows out of you bring life to those around you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you would, just, you don't have to be shoot quiet, but just be respectful of the fact that we've got about 8 or 10 or 12 people you can fellowship, but just be aware of this.